0: Chapter Three of The Last Stroke. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Philippe in Paris, France. The Last Stroke by Lawrence L. Lynch. Chapter Three. Nemesis. Mr. Bryley are you strong enough to bear a second shock i must confer with you before before we remove the body it was dr barnes who thus addressed robert brierly who after the first sight of the outstretched figure upon the lake shore and the first shock of horror and anguish had turned away from the group hovering about the doctor as he knelt beside the dead to face his grief alone dr barnes besides being a skilled physician possessed three other qualities necessary to a successful career in medicine. He was prompt to act, practical and humane. Robert Briley was leaning against a tall tree, his back toward that group by the water's edge, and his face pressed against the tree's rugged trunk. He lifted his head as the doctor spoke. The look in his dark eyes was assurance sufficient that he was ready to listen and still able to manfully endure another blow. The two men moved a few steps away, and then the doctor said, I must be brief. You know, do you not, the theory, that of these men, as to the cause of this calamity? It was an accident, of course. They make it that, or suicide. Never. Impossible. My brother was a God-fearing man, a happy man. Still, There is a bullet hole just where self-inflicted wounds are oftenest made. Brierly groaned aloud. Still, he persisted, I will never believe it. You need not. Dr. Bond sank his voice to yet a lower pitch. Mr. Brierly, there is a second bullet wound in the back. The back? And that means? It means murder, without a doubt. No huntsman could so mistake his mark in this open woodland along the lake. Besides hunting is not allowed so near the village wait as the young man was about to speak we have no time to discuss motives now or the possible assassin what i wish to know is do you want this fact known now at once i i fear i don't understand would you have my brother's name stop man knowing that these men have already jumped to a theory the thought occurred to me that the work of the officers might be made easier if we let the theory of an accident stand he broke off looking keenly at the others he was a good judge of faces and in that of robert brierly he had not been deceived the young man's form grew suddenly erect and tense his eye keen and resolute you are right he said with sudden energy as he caught the other's hand they must not be enlightened yet then the sooner we are back where we can guard the secret the safer it will be come this is hard for you mr brierly i know and i could say much but words no matter how sincerely sympathetic cannot lighten such a blow as this i admire your strength your fortitude under such a shock will you let me add that any service i can render as a physician as a man or as a friend is yours for the asking the doctor hesitated a moment then held out his hand and the four watchers beside the body exchanged quick glances of surprise upon seeing the two men grasp hands silently and with solemn faces and then turn still silently back to the place where the body lay don't touch that pistol doran the doctor spoke in his capacity of coroner certainly not doc I wanted to feel, if I could, whether those side chambers had been discharged or not. You see, he added, rising to his feet, when we saw this, we knew what we had to do, and it has been hands off. We've only used our eyes so far forth. And that I wish to do now with more calmness, said Robert Brierly, coming close to the body and kneeling beside it. It lay less than six feet from the very water's edge, the body of a tall, slender young man, with a delicate, high-bred face that had been fair when living, and was now marble white, save for the blood-stains upon the right temple where the bullet had entered. The hair, of that soft blonde colour seen oftenest upon the heads of children, and rarely upon adults, was thick and fine, and long enough to frame the handsome face in close half-rings that no barber-skill could ever subdue or make straight. The hands were long, slender, and soft as a woman's, the feet small and arched, and the form beneath the loose outlines of the blue flannel fatigue-suit in which it was clad, while slender and full of grace, was well built and not lacking in muscle. It lay as it had fallen, upon its side, with one arm thrown out and one limb, the left drawn up. Not far from the outstretched right arm and hand lay the pistol, a six-shooter, which the brother at once recognized with two of the six chambers empty a fact which mr doran had just discovered and was now holding in reserve the doctor upon his discovery of the second bullet wound had at once flung his own handkerchief over the prostrate head and called for the carriage robe from his own phaeton which fortunately for the wind and legs of the black pony had stood ready at his office door and was now in waiting the horse tethered to a tree at the edge of the wood not far away this lap-robe robert brierly reverently drew away as he knelt beside the still form and thus for some moments remained turning his gaze from right to left from the great tree which grew close at the motionless feet and between the group and the water's edge its branches spreading out above them and forming a canopy over the body to a dead stump some distance away where a small target leaned, its rings of white and black and red showing how often a steady hand had sent the ball close and closer until the bull's-eye was pierced at last. No word was uttered as he knelt there, and before he rose, he placed a hand upon the dead man's shoulder with an impulsive caressing motion, and bending down, kissed the cold temple just above the crimson death mark. That was a vow, he said to the doctor, who stood close beside him, "Where is ah, he turned toward the group of men who, when he knelt, had withdrawn to a respectful distance. Which of you suggested he had fallen, tripped? Doran came forward, and silently pointed to the foot of the tree, where, trailing across the grass, and past the dead man's feet, was a tendril of wild ivy, entangled and broken. "'Oh!' exclaimed Brierly. "'You saw that too?' "'It was the first thing I did see,' said the other, coming to his side, "'when I looked about me. "'It's a very clear case, Mr. Brierly. "'Target shooting has been quite a pastime here lately. "'And see, there couldn't be a better place to stand and shoot at the target "'than right against that tree, braced against it. "'It's the right distance and all. "'He must have stood there.' and when he hit the bull's-eye he made a quick step forward, caught his foot in that vine, and tripped. A man will naturally throw out his arm in falling so, especially the right one. Somehow, as he lunged forward, it happened. "'Yes,' murmured Brierly. "'It's a very simple theory. It—it might have happened so.' "'There wasn't any other way it could happen,' muttered one of Doran's companions.' At that moment the wheels of an approaching vehicle were heard, and all turned to look toward the long black hearse, divested of its plumes, and with two or three thick blankets upon its velvet floor. It was the doctor who superintended the lifting of the body, keeping the head covered, and when the hearse drove slowly away with its pathetic burden, he turned to Doran. "'I'll drive Mr. Brierley back to town, Doran,' he said, if you don't mind taking his wheel in charge.' and scarcely waiting for Doran's winning assent, he took Richard Bryony's arm and led him towards the Phaeton. The young man had picked up his brother's hat as they lifted the body from the ground, and he now carried it in his hand, laying it gently upon his knees as he took his seat. When the doctor had taken his place and picked up the reins, he leaned out and looked about him. Two or three horsemen were riding into the wood toward them, and a carriage had halted at the side of the road, while a group of schoolboys, headed by Johnny, the bell-ringer, were hurrying down the slope toward the water's edge. "'They're beginning to gather,' the physician said grimly. "'Well, it's human nature, and your brother had a host of friends, Mr. Briley.' Robert Briley set his lips and averted his face for a moment. "'Doran,' called the doctor. "'Come here, will you?' Doran, who had begun to push the shining wheel up the slope, placed it carefully against a tree and came toward them. The doctor, meanwhile, turning to Brierly. Mr Brierly, you are a stranger here. Will you let me arrange for you? The other nodded, and then said huskily, But it hurts to take him to the undertaker's. He shall not be taken there. And the doctor turned to Doran, now standing at the wheel. Mr Doran, will you take my keys and ride ahead as fast as possible? Tell the undertaker, as you pass, to drive to my house. Then go on and open it. We will put the body in the private office. Do not remonstrate, Mr. Brierley. It is only what I would wish another to do for me and mine in a like affliction. And this was the rule by which this man lived his life, and because of which death had no terrors. I am a bachelor, you must know, the doctor said, as they drove slowly in the wake of the hearse and I have made my home and established my office in a cosy cottage near the village proper. It will save you the ordeal of strange eyes and many questions, perhaps, if you will be my guest for a day or two, at least. Robert Briley turned and looked this friend in need full in the face for a moment. Then he lifted his hand to brush a sudden moisture from his eye. I accept all your kindness, he said huskily, for I see that you are as sincere as you are kind. When the body of Charles Bryony had been carried in and placed as it must remain until the inquest was at an end, and when the crowd of sorrowing, anxious, and curious people had disappeared, the doctor, who was masterful at need, making Doran his lieutenant, arranged for the securing of a jury, and, after giving some quiet instructions, sent him away, saying, Tell the people it is not yet determined how or when we shall hold the inquiry. Miss Grant, who must be a witness, will hardly be able to appear at once, I fear. After looking to his guest's bodily comfort, the doctor had left him alone with his grief for a little while, and had paid a flying visit to Hilde Grant, who lived nearly three blocks away. When at length the little house was quiet, and when the doctor and his heavy-hearted companion had made a pretense of partaking of luncheon, the former, having shut and locked the door upon the elderly african who served him drew his chair close to that of his guest and said are you willing to take counsel with me mr Bryley? and are you quite fit and ready to talk about what is most important i am most anxious for your advice and for information then let us lose no time there is much to be done doctor robert Bryley bent towards the other and placed a hand upon his knee There are emergencies which bring men together, and reveal them, each to each, in a flash, as it were. I cannot feel that you know me really, but I know you, and would trust you with my dearest possession, or my most dangerous secret. You will be frank with me, I know, if you speak at all, and I want you to tell me something. What is it? You have told me how, in your opinion, my poor brother really met his death. Will you put yourself in my place, and tell me how you would act in this horrible emergency? What is the first thing you would do? The doctor's answer came after a moment's grave thought. I am, I think, a Christian, he said gravely. But I think... Bah! I know that I would make my life's work to find out the truth about that murder. For it was a murder, I solemnly believe. End of chapter 3